Upon the cover, a view down a long row of shelves neatly stacked with cardboard boxes. Each box has a label, and some of their contents are just visible. One in the center right is marked in furnace contract. Inside, a tiny demon is trying to climb out, one burning claw gripping the cardboard. Another in the top left is labeled fungal alien craft. A vine studded with pink blossoms hangs over the edge and trails onto the ground. A third, closer to the bottom left, is labeled issue 44, under cover of darkness. And welcome back to Apex City. I want to open up on Darren, who last time I checked was running away from home towards the Kopi Pyramid, hypothetically to steal a spaceship. So to recap, the rest of Darren's podmates showed up at her school for a high stakes, not really high stakes, but maybe dramatic uh, dodgeball game, after which uh, Darren decided to run away from home and... When last we left her, she was going to Kopi to steal her spaceship, given that it is currently the only spaceship that she has an idea of where it is, and she can pilot to some degree. Yes, correct. So let's open up with Darren. So at this point, it is relatively late at night, since we had uh, established that neither of you was meeting Jackie and Piro at Applebee's for some sweet, delicious apps and or shenanigans. <laughs> so I think we get a little panel, a little box up at the uh, the top left corner that says 10 p.m. And the streets of Apex City are relatively busy. I mean, there's traffic. It's a large city. It's never completely quiet, but it is quiet-ish. And we get uh, Darren under a street lamp kind of overlooking the Kopi Pyramid. So Darren... What do you do? I will be wearing a hoodie with the hood put up over my head, and I'll have taken off my Kopi wristwatch or deactivated it. I'll have deactivated it. It's turned off. And my cell phone, I snap it in two, throw it in the trash. This is permanent, it, dude. Is this a flip phone? Yeah. I'm just curious because it's much harder to snap. I know you can snap like a touch. You're like, very right. But you need the, to get this correct. A flip phone is much more dramatic. Well, to you're snap. you're also a super powered mushroom uh, alien. So I'm, also I'm, I'm not debating that she mushroom. could do it. I just it, I just for, yeah, for, for dramatic for, purposes. For the panel, here. is it a flip phone or is it like a like a like a regular like touchscreen phone? I, I would say it's a flip phone, something easier to control that easily monitored. So yeah, I'll snap it and throw it in the trash. And then I'm going to start making a casual power walk to the Kopi headquarters. Are you just going in through the front door as is normal? Or are you like maybe sneaking in somewhere uh, since you do have, you know, the powers that you have? Yeah. Are you like phasing through a wall somewhere or what's the plan? Yeah, I think my plan is to phase under, like go down the ground and then come under into the bunker. Because my guess is that it's in a bunker underneath the building. Uh, so you are trying to like basically phase into the underground like, yeah, I'm gonna... sections of the Kopi Pyramid. Do I need to roll? Yeah, probably. I think that counts as an unleash your power. So go ahead and uh, go ahead and roll that. I got a seven, but... Plus, minus... Because it's freak, correct? Yes. For unleash yes. my powers. That is a nine. Okay. So that's still a partial success. Uh, so on a partial success, you do the thing, but mm -hmm. you either mark a condition or I will tell you how this effect is unstable or temporary. Tell me. I think you do phase into the underground sections of the Kopi Pyramid. I don't necessarily think that you are where you were hoping to be. I think you come out in like 
probably some sort of an underground storage bay. And you can see like a bunch of boxes and a bunch of like long rows of shelves with like different little cubbies and cubicles in them. You you know, like the end of any given Indiana Jones movie where they have the long hallways full of like stuff. Yeah. And they'll have like labels and when they were found and by whom? Yeah. Yeah. It's that, it's that kind of thing. Uh, But all the labels are like names of different you know, super villains. Uh, so like they've got, uh, they've got punch buggy. They've got punch buggy's armor down there. Oh, I did. They've got a box full of just various pocket watches from professor paradox. Are you seriously telling me that punch buggy warranted having his outfit taken and stored by Kopi? Whether, whether or not punch buggy is a threat. Does this seem like something that your technically government affiliated organization might do? Just take this poor schmuck's armor from him. This poor schmuck, his suit maybe has air conditioning. Like that's it's made it's made out of an old VW Beetle, so like oh. it's not it's not great. But it's here. I'm sad, and I'm here, which is unexpected. Yeah. So you're basically in this like big um, storage kind of almost warehouse looking area. Is it only villain stuff? No, if you're just looking around, no, it is not just villain stuff. There is some hero stuff. I think you find a section that is, like, you find an old, like, the handle. It looks like the handle of a sword with, it's a crystalline kind of crossguard, and what looks to be some sort of a array in the midst of that. The name on the box is uh, Dame Atlas, which is a Silver Age hero. Hmm. Can I take that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there's nothing down here to stop you. Oh, okay. I want to take that. That seems handy for my adventure. <laughs> it could. When I have my three former companions threatening violence, I'm going to take that. And I think that is a good place to bounce over to William for just a sec. We get another box right up in the top corner that says 10.30 p.m. And so, William, at 10.30 p.m., uh, where abouts are you? Are you still hunkered down in your dad's office in the middle of the night, or are you, like... As far as I know, yes. I don't feel... Time has no meaning. No, that's perfectly fine. And so the last place we left William, as far as his dad's office goes, is that he had smashed his dad's desk in half with a big stone rod. That was awesome. So is he just, like... Uh, I've shoved the piece, like, one of the pieces kind of, like, up into a corner... And I'm, like, reading, like, a book leaning up against half of this broken desk and the wall, reclining on it. As you are reading these, the overhead lights start to flicker. And then we get a panel where they have just gone out. And you... So so it goes from, like, this normal, like, kind of, like, warm-tinted, you know, wood grain office to, like, flicker, flicker, flicker off and everything is in blue scale. And I think we get a panel of uh, William sitting in his dad's office, and we can see, like, the, the sound effect from, from off-panel is, like, a rustle. And then, like, you hear footsteps. I stand up and uh, hold my staff at ready position and start looking around for the so- source of said footsteps. This seems like you might be trying to assess your situation. Sure, I can do that. That would be... Superior. You got lots of that, right? No, I have... Zero of that. I rolled a nine, so that will be a nine. So on a seven to nine, you ask one question off of that table. So what would you like to know? Where are these footsteps coming from? Inside the room? Outside the room? So so they're definitely coming from outside the room. You would probably say maybe down towards like the dining area. What what are you trying to get at off of that list there? Oh yeah, there's an actual list. I guess what's the greatest danger? I think we get a couple of panels of William like moving down the hallway towards this uh, the sound. And as you peer around 
into the dining area. So first off, the lights are all still out, but we see that there is a little glow coming from inside the dining area, and this is coming from a little candelabra that has been set on the table. Uh, it's got three little candles. Do I even recognize said candelabra? You do not. <laughs> That's different. It's very fancy, uh, and let me take a second to describe this before I tell you who's sitting there. It's silver. Each of the candle holsters is fashioned in the shape of a skull, and there's like this whole bone motif that comes down to the bottom where there's just like what you hope is a cast human hand and not an actual one. Creepy. Oh, this is everything that like 15 year old me would have loved. <laughs> like Tim Burton. This is Tim Burton's <laughs> wet dream. I'm so happy. I'm so excited. And sitting at the end of the table is someone that you are pretty familiar with. It's Auntie Toxin. And and standing behind her is a relatively tall, buff lady who looks to be in her 50s or so. You don't recognize her, but she is wearing, like, body armor. She is built, uh, and she's got, like, a little bell emblem on the armor, which you might recognize from a couple of places at this point. Right. As you peer around into the dining room, I think the answer to what here is the biggest threat is definitely antitoxin. Definitely, yes. Because she is just rolling... Uh, you know, with one finger on the table, uh, a void chime that until very recently was in your possession. What do you do? Uh, so she's sitting at one end of the... How long is this table? The- I assume it's fairly long because it's a rich person table. Right. Obviously. Like, we're going for that aesthetic anyway. Yeah. She she is she is sitting facing the door. She hasn't seen you yet, but like, it's not like you're going to sneak up behind her, right? Right. No, I'm going to go sit at the other end of the table. Okay. She stops uh, rolling the little void chime. And just kind of smiles at you and looks up over her shoulder. Tranquil, I believe, I believe a red is in order. Would you be a dear? And she kind of like bows over one hand and moves off towards, you know, where you know that Barty keeps the good wines. And Toxin kind of like steeples her, uh, her fingers under her chin. Hello, William. How's it going, Antitoxin? An excellent question. I suppose the answer to that will depend on you. Mm, well, you have a void chime. I do. Are you looking for the rest? No. Why are you here, then? Your father is currently in a coma, halfway across town, although by the time we're done discussing this, that will have changed. Ominous. Your father requires care that no medical doctor can provide. Luckily, my people can. And this care involves making him conscious again? Because I'm not entirely certain I trust you guys to do that and at this point she kind of like just lightly taps the top of the void chime and the building kind of shakes a little bit perhaps you should reconsider this william i haven't said anything i was just asking a question we are after all family we are i am your father's aunt the problem is william you the problem is you me Yes. How am I a problem anymore? I have nothing. I have no relationship to anything anymore. Whatever I had has been removed. And I think at this point, Tranquil returns with a bottle and a, and a glass and just pours for Toxin. And she takes and looks through it at you. And we get that panel like through the, through the glass of red directly at William. You have set in motion a chain of events that has undone the work of decades. I have. Perhaps it's time you learned what your birthright actually is, young Infernus. And I want to get back to Darren. I found a sword. <laughs> you, found, yeah, you found a cool sword hilt. I found a cool sword. Have you pushed the button yet? There's a button? There is no button. Yeah, 
There's a, there's no button. There's no button. It's just a cool sword hilt with like this like crystalline cross guard and this weird looking like divot in the middle. Yeah, uh, I thought it was a sword hilt. Gem. Okay. I got this. So what are you doing at this point? I might scavenge around a little bit more to see if there's anything else that I can use that I think would be useful for me for protection or for protecting others because I feel very inadequate. So I think I might rummage around a little bit. Give me two other things that Darren finds down here. Just like, what what sort of things are you looking for? Okay, so this is what I really want. Okay. Take Punch Puggy's armor. <laughs> no. <laughs> I have some dignity here. I want to find like some sort of armor. I want like... Old school guy who draws tiny feet. Leafield? I want Leafield. I want Rob Leafield armor. Okay. Is what I'm looking for. It has pockets. It has to have pockets. And pouches. And, and I yeah, pockets and pouches, please. That's my request. I'm going to give you two options. Okay. There is a Bronze Era, uh, so this would be like very like Punisher-esque kind of thing, anti-hero, called the Revengeancer. That's hard to say. Uh, yes. But basically, <laughs> but basically... It's kind of exactly what you're looking at. Pouches for days and like probably some sort of like uh, tactical Kevlar under that. It's ostentatious as hell. There's like, I think it's just a big R in a circle. It's real dumb, but it's all like jagged lines and like, like 90s font, right? Mm -hmm. So there's that. Or there are some pieces of Big Steel's armor. Uh, And Big Steel, you might remember from crashing a giant robot mech suit. He was a beefy boy. It took us a while. Yeah, he, he was. So there's your options. All right. Yes. I want the second armor, please. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Because I think I remember birds being like silvery, like mm-hmm. metal plating and stuff. It is, it is actually made of steel. So it's very shiny. <laughs> it's very. Yeah. yeah. All right. And yes. Super okay. heavy. It's very, very I'm heavy. A power- I'm a super powerful fungus. I, I can overcome. That sounds incredibly heavy. That's the point. I need to be able to take a hit. And and one other thing that you're you're stealing from here. What are you looking for? The first thought was pesticide killer, but I know that that's not the best choice of thing to find. You're telling me there wasn't a hero named Weed Killer at some point? Well, yeah. There was a villain called Weed Killer who was an evergreen villain back in the early 2000s. It's like a Captain Planet thing, right? Yeah. Oh, I can't do that. No, that's not in Darren's personality. She wouldn't find Weed Killer. It would pass through her mind and then pa- quickly pass through. Okay, so so you definitely like walk past that box that box that has Weed Killer, and there's like like a gauntlet with like glowing tubes full of green liquid in it. Yeah, and I'm like, hmm, no. Can I have a helmet? Is is that part of the armor that I'm wearing? Is a helmet? Sure, that's fine. Actually, I change my mind. I'm gonna have sunglasses and a helmet if that's all right. <laughs> I want sunglasses and a helmet, because I have seen the Terminator recently, and <laughs> he looks like someone you wouldn't mess with. He doesn't look soft and pink and neon. So, so like, like, like the kind of, like, um, motorcycle helmet and, like, sunglasses? Yeah, okay. Yeah! Cool. That's what I would like, please. Okay. Or, like, the helmet from Dorarara, where it, like, has the cat ears and a helmet with sunglasses. Oh, yes, no, cat ear helmet and, like, uh, flip-down shades? Yes, please! Yeah. Is yes, absolutely. Into it. Oh lordy! We need to kick ass and take names. Okay. Where, where, where did the cat ear? <laughs> we're watching Dorarara right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who this character is, but we're gonna figure that out eventually. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've got your helmet with cat ears, and your like partial big steel armor, and your part of a sword. And what are you? What are you up to at this point? Because there, there is an actual exit, or you can like try and phase around a little bit, or whatever you want. First question, do you think it'd be acceptable to phase wearing all of the pieces of armor I'm wearing? I know I haven't had issues with clothes. Yeah, you phase with clothes all the time. Yeah, but I I don't, there's some things that might be resistant to phasing. I'm not going to worry too much about it. All right. 
What I'm going to do is I'm going to see if I can phase to a lower level. I think I only came down like 10 feet and then came in. I'm going to try and phase down through another level. Actually, I'm going to phase half my head through and look down the ground and see if that looks familiar. That's a better plan. Okay. So you're going to, you're going to look, you're going to look around a little bit. Uh, you are hypothetically going to maybe assess your situation. Yeah, yeah. Use okay. my powers to assess the situation. I have a six. So I think you phase your head down through this uh, floor, and you're kind of looking around, and you uh, you don't see your ship exactly, but you do see a big control and command kind of room that is full of copy agents uh, in various stages of monitoring various uh, situations. Oh, no. And as you poke your head down, there's a little alarm that starts going off because you've breached a secure location, and uh, I think a couple of them actually look up and see your <laughs> helmeted head. <laughs> cat-eared helmet head. Yeah, cat-eared helmet head. Uh, and they, like, push a big red button, and an alarm swiftly starts spreading throughout the Kopi Pyramid. So what do you do? Phase. Back up. <laughs> Saying whoops. Um, I want that on the record. I pull my head back up and I say, whoopsies! And then I try running through and phasing through the wall to my left. So instead of phasing down, I'm phasing left. Okay, so you're just kind of going, like, laterally. Yeah, I'm, I'm running laterally. As you phase through that wall, let's get back over to William for a sec. So, Auntie, before you tell me this, can you answer one other question? She nods. How many other deep, dark secrets of this family are going to be revealed to me at some later point instead of just getting it all at once? I think that depends on what you consider a deep, dark secret. All right, lay it on me. What? have I done now? What have I messed up because no one told me that I was going to mess this up? You know that your father and I were part of a larger group that has since dwindled. Yeah, my understanding is you killed most of them. No, your father did. Do you know why he killed Diviner? Did he ever tell you? I don't think he ever specified exactly, at least not cryptically. Far be it from me to tell your father how to raise his son, but he's in a coma right now, so... Diviner told your father a few things about the future, and your father should have listened to him. Specifically, he told your father not to trust you, and that if he had any sense, he would strangle you in your bed. Well, that didn't happen. No. Your father, rather than taking his long-time companion and co-worker at his word, assumed that Diviner was trying to sow discord inside the Infernus family. He chose you over listening to his partner. And look how that turned out for him. But I'm not here to judge, William, nor am I here to punish. I'm here to ask you a question. It will require some context. I'm listening. In the beginning of our conspiracy, there were five members. Myself, your father, Diviner, a werewolf named Derek Diabolus, and John Ackman. Now, you may remember that last name. Uh, John Ackman is a sitting U.S. senator. He's the person that your school is named for, and he was the first Axiom. Oh, shit! Now, remember when I said that your father killed them? Yeah. You are, of course, aware that John Ackman is currently a U.S. senator, are you not? Yeah. Who do you think is actually making laws in his place? He was the first to be done away with. Oh, shit! The point of the conspiracy, William, was not to free your family from their contract. It was to use that contract to invert it. Invert it? 
You used to pull power from a larger demonic source channeled through your grandfather, or your great-great-grandfather, Balthazar. Yes, that I know. And in return, you are in servitude to your demonic overlords. We wanted to flip that contract. They get all the powers of a rich young man, and in return, we gain their loyalty. What do we have to offer them? Nothing. The contract was the point. The conduit is the point. It's not about what they get. It's about what we can take from them. And what we can take from them is immortality and the power to control everything. We're halfway there already. So what's the point of the Void Chimes, then? How are you going to flip this contract by threatening them with Void Chimes? We were just going to open the door, so to speak. Had to be done. So you're going to kill, like, a whole city in order to do that? Oh, well, more than a city. Continent, sorry. More like a tri-state area. At the end of the day, what does that even matter? Uh, uh, mm, mm, there's a lot to unpack there, but just go on. I think that's a good place to start, though. What to you is worth power? Recently, through your connection with Debbie Diabolus, she was able to put a, a wrench into this plan. We no longer have that connection to exploit, and so we're having to move forward with more temporal means. And here you are, desperately researching how to get that power back. I approve. So your question is, what am I willing to sacrifice in order to get that back? And she kind of, like, spreads her hands and rolls the void chime across the table to you. I already have the two of these, I think? Well, if you want to open a door, you're going to need to open it all the way, aren't you? The door can be opened, regardless. I don't need these to open the door. What? Sure, it makes it easier, but I don't need them. The question, William, is are you willing to take what you want by the means that will get you the greatest benefit? No. No, that's not the right question. The question is not, what am I willing to do? The question that you're asking is, am I willing to take the easy route to get that power back? Am I willing to sacrifice anything in order to get something as fast as possible? And that, frankly, is stupid. That is exactly what has caused all these issues in the first place, is you trying to get everything in the most efficient way possible. I want to, uh, I want to move over to Darren, because I think that's a good place to pause for a sec. So you run through a wall, and you enter kind of a big connecting space. It's not quite a hallway, it's just like a big interior room that is meant to adjoin to all of these different, you know, warehouses and monitoring stations, that kind of stuff. Um, there's definitely forklifts, there's things to move big heavy objects down here. Mm-hmm. And at one end, there is a big ramp that goes down. And at the other end, there is uh, a stairwell that goes back up towards the main uh, Kobe Pyramid. And like right next to that, there's an elevator, uh, like a big freight elevator, right? You can hear uh, that alarm that got triggered is still going off. Okay. So you assume you're probably going to have some company relatively soon. My ship and I, as sentient, somewhat sentient plant materia, could I possibly sense it or... um, telepathically call it and see if I'm in range to activate it if I'm close enough. It seems like you might be unleashing your powers. Yeah, it's 10. <laughs> yeah, you you get a read on your ship and it is 
starting to respond to you. What one thing do you want to tell it? I'm just very emotional that my, my ship is responding. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. I think I'm going to have it do, like, I'm going to have it phase so it'll go through walls without breaking anything and go through obstacles and move out of the room. And it's okay if it, the ship's kind of sleepy. It's been kind of chilling there for a while. That's my that's my plan. That's oh, the- my God. Your ship can phase too? That's incredible. Makes sense. I, love I mean, it. they're basically, you know, growing from the same stuff. So we get a couple of panels uh, of a big enclosed room that has like this opening top kind of scup thing. Probably how they got your ship down here. Yeah. And there are some technicians like standing around it, monitoring its various signals and such. And as it activates, there is a secondary alarm that starts going off because oh. this probably should not be happening, right? Mm-hmm. And it hovers up off the ground and like turns a little bit and then just like zoops through the wall. Oh, it goes fast. Okay. <laughs> it's a spaceship. <laughs> you were like, come here. And it's like, okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's a spaceship. It's a big spaceship. It go fast. It gotta go fast. It's the Sonic of spaceships. And as it does, we like see the technicians like like fall over. And then your ship just kind of like zoops uh, into the room with you. Mm-hmm. This this big space is just barely big enough to like kind of uh, hold your ship, mm-hmm. and I and I think at this point the big freight elevator is starting to descend, and you can see like a bunch of people on it. Like there's definitely one of those full containment teams, which is like the the five people with like the big coffin shaped thing for transporting dangerous people, and I think Olivia's definitely with them. Oh no, I hate disappointing her. She's such a good person. I think it's not just Olivia. Oh no, no, no! Let it just be Olivia. Can we just have Olivia? No, we don't no, because need- I because I had no. a whole thing, I had a whole thing planned. Uh, so so you, so it's Olivia and it's also Tony. <laughs> so so you so you can see you can see them as they're like starting to come down the freight elevator. Yep. What do you uh, do? Yep. You don't know this. I haven't revealed this to you. God bless you. Um, <laughs> my ship has no doors, and so the way you get on my ship is that you have to be absorbed in like like a sponge absorbs water. So I'm going to press myself against it and have it like soak me up. And in my brain, I'm just going, go, go, step on whatever fuel you use, plant-based materia. I don't know what it is. We need to go. I think, I think I'm just going to have you unleash your powers again. Shit. What do you got? It is freak, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, I have a six, then. That is that is uh, Jeremy makes. What if I have a team move with my ship? Does that count? We're uh, in unfortunately, not. So Damn much. it! Can't can't use team selfishly when there's no team. <laughs> my ship and I are a team. So so I think what happens is as you like zoop up into your ship, uh, I think. The, the containment team definitely sees this. And we get a couple of panels of them, like, readying these uh, big, like, square, like, Liefeld kind of guns, yeah, right? Yep. I'm glad we're saying this. They're kind of curved slightly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like one of the, like, they all look slightly different. Mm-hmm. Like, one of them is just, like, this huge rectangle. Yeah, with, like, six different, like, bullet ent- exits. I don't know what that word is. But, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. vents. Yeah, vents. It needs vents. And they all fire as one, this like big crackly, like energy, like zip, zip, zip bolts. Uh, and they impact the side of your ship. And I am going to need you to Oofa doofa. All right. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I have a 10. Well, you know what the options are there. You can have So obviously you don't have a teammate uh, to lash out verbally at, but everything else is on the table. I... 
love, I adore, and I will almost always choose, like, lose control of your powers in a terrible way. Because you always make it very creative and fun, and I'm a big fan. So, okay, do your worst! Do your worst, Jeremy! Do your worst! Okay, so you were just trying to get away. Mm. Was your, uh, yeah, your goal? Yeah, somewhat, but I do have rage issues. Um, more importantly, you are kind of, like, halfway merged with your ship when, when these beams hit. I think what happens here is that your your ship, I think it's actually going to do what you want it to. I think it's going to try and get out, but it's not going to be able to phase. Because oh, no. they basically just locked that, they locked that function. So it, like, tears up into the, into the pyramid, like, kind of, uh, <laughs> no. kind of directly in the path of the containment team. Oh. And we get those panels of, like, they, like, jump and, like, scatter out of the way. And Tony, like, you know, we get that big flash of light, and he's a T-Rex, and he just, like, chomps onto the front of your ship. And Olivia is down below. Uh, this is, I think, the first time we've actually seen her use her superpowers. On she superpowers? She is, she is super strong and super oh, tough. Oh, I thought she was just super nice and super compassionate. <laughs> she's that, too. But she's also uh, super strong and well, super tough. Hmm, today I learned. And so Tony kind of like grabs the side of your ship uh, in his big T-Rex jaws. And I think Liv just kind of like squats down and jumps up and lands on top of your ship. We get that like speed line as she's coming down that like pushes it down towards the ground. Um, So you have torn a big hole up through the side of the Kopi pyramid. And uh, Tony is now hanging onto the side of your ship. And Olivia is trying to like batten it down to the ground. And you're like starting to like lift up into the uh, sky of Apex City. So let's get back to William having a nice meeting with his great aunt Toxin. And you basically just kind of like yelled at her about this this whole plan being needlessly convoluted and stupid. Yeah, pretty much. And basically taking kind of an easy path to power. To which I think her response is going to be a light laugh. Do you think that taking an easy path to power is somehow morally better than taking a hard one? You mean morally worse? Either way. Do you think there's a difference? In the end result, maybe not. Maybe that doesn't matter. But I think it's starting to matter to me. Why? What do you gain from from making your life more difficult? It's not what I gain. It's what I don't lose. Oh, do go on. Don't leave me there. I have spent the past year, most of my life, but especially the past year or so of my life, just being constantly manipulated by those around me. Whether that's you, my father, Debbie... God knows who else, who all want me to do whatever it is in their plan. And I've mostly gone along with that. And where that has gotten me is now I have no powers and my father's in a coma. And my brother half burned to death. It got me absolutely nowhere. All of these shortcuts and manipulations that everyone else is trying to accomplish has only succeeded from my perspective, maybe they got to power, maybe they didn't. But all it's done is hurt me and those around me. I, I will take however long I need to take to get power back. Don't get me wrong. I want that power back, and I'm going to have it. But I will not continue to sacrifice everyone else around me in order to attain that. I'll sacrifice myself however much I need to. Like, I feel like that should trigger something. <laughs> You'd think so, yeah. I feel like that was a moment. I feel like it was. Are you trying to get a particular reaction from her? Honestly, no. I don't feel like William really gives a shit 
now. And that's kind of the reaction there is he's trying to like, if you want to put it in like this game's terms, she's tr- sitting here trying to influence him and she, he is trying to throw away yeah, that. It influence. feels like you, yeah. Like trying to reject someone's influence is a thing. So go ahead and roll to reject someone's influence. Is that just a straight up roll? Uh, it is a straight up roll unless you are insecure. Well, I am. So it's a straight up roll minus two. Perfect. Well, I rolled a 10. So that's an eight. All right, so on a seven to nine, you can choose one. Uh, you can clear a condition or mark potential by immediately acting to prove them wrong. Uh, you can shift one label up and one label down of your choice, or you can cancel their influence and take plus one forward against them. Because I feel like what I just did was act to prove them wrong, at least verbally. So I'm going to clear insecure, because that just makes perfect sense for what just happened. I think the way that she responds to that is by standing up. And she is uh, a relatively short lady. I mean, I think we've mentioned she's in her 80s. And she kind of like walks a couple of steps down the table towards where that candelabra is set up, licks her thumb, and snuffs out one of the lights on it. And as she does, uh, this mist starts to like flow out of that candle. You sacrifice yourself all you want, William. There's always someone willing to take the easy path to get what they want. I just thought, as a member of the family... I might offer you my assistance, but I can see you don't need it. Besides, it's not like you're lacking in power right now. I'm not sure what that means. And she licks a finger and kind of like snuffs out another one of those little, uh, one of the flames on the candelabra. You talk a good game about being helpless, but frankly, I don't buy it. You have the resources of a corporation that has grown on the backs of an entire city for generations. And she points at that little uh, control rod. You have all the tools you need. And still you want more. You are your father's son indeed. And she kind of like licks a thumb and she hovers over the last uh, the last flame. So when you get more, perhaps we'll speak again. And she snuffs it out. And the room goes dark for a second. And eventually the lights flicker and come back on. And you are alone in your dining room. And let's get back to Darren. Yee! You've got a T-Rex hanging onto the side of your spaceship. Uh, you've got a super therapist trying to <laughs> force it back down to the ground. Uh, your ship is kind of like starting to alarm buzz at you because it is it is not doing great. It's been, you know, shot with some sort of ray that has at least momentarily uh, disabled its phasing abilities, which is causing you some troubles. Uh, what do you do? I've watched entire television series and watched entire movies that had less content than that paragraph that you just said. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pull the old Star Trek uh, base of maneuvers, red alert maneuver of, uh, I'm going to do a barrel roll. Okay. Evasive maneuvers. Have they ever done a barrel roll in Star Trek? Yeah, it's called the Picard maneuver. You do a barrel roll. I do a barrel roll. roll. Doesn't work. Are, are you are you attempting to, I, I assume, get uh, Tony and uh, Olivia off yes, your ship? Yes, because I don't think we're too high off the ground yet, so I don't want them to actually get hurt, but I'm going to, like, two barrel roll. Go ahead and directly engage it. Go ahead and directly engage a threat. Let's do this. Ooh. Wait, 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 wait. Naming sure something. Holy crap. Is that a good holy crap or a bad I have I rolled a 10, but directly engage a is danger. threat is danger. So that would be a 13. <laughs> nice. So on a hit, you trade blows. On a 10 plus, pick two. Yeah, what do you want to pick? I'm going to resist or avoid their blows, which I never do, and I'm very proud of myself for this character development. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't want to impress, surprise, or frighten them. I, I care about these people. I don't want them to be afraid. And I don't want them to get hurt. So I'm going to take something from them. And I think right now that thing I'm taking away from them will be, yeah, take their grip from them. So so you spin 
And I think uh, you throw Tony off, definitely. He was not expecting that. And as a giant dinosaur, when you flip him around really fast, he kind of like unlatches his jaws naturally. And Liv wasn't actually holding on to anything. She was just standing on top of your ship to begin with. Uh, So she just gets slung. Tony does uh, rather impressively as he is flying... And he is about to impact the side of the Kobe Pyramid. You see like that flash of light and he turns back into a person long enough to springboard off the side of the pyramid. Uh, and then midair, as he is like jetting back towards your ship, he transforms back into a T-Rex. It's all very impressive. Oh yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm impressed. I'm sitting here impressed. So he is moving back towards you, but you do have a moment here uh, before he actually impacts with your ship. So the question is, what do you do? Uh, step, step on the gas? <laughs> Just trying yeah, to get out of here. Go, 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 go. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think this is just an unleash your powers. That is a eight. Tell me how it's unstable or temporary. So you move out of the way and you're starting to take back up uh, off. You have at this point cleared the city skyline. So you are, you know, above most of the rooftops. And I think as you do, your ship starts to like shudder because it has recently been through. Oh, poor lot. ship. Yeah, it went through a rough night. It is definitely in no shape to break atmosphere right now. So you could probably get it like outside of town, but you're not going to get much farther than that right now. So so I guess the question is, are you going to put down somewhere uh, that you are familiar with or are you like trying to get out of town? Yeah, I, I'm not going to go someplace I've been before. I will remember that private investigator Darren and his family went on a camping trip before they adopted me. And that camping trip was to Albuquerque Falls, which is like maybe 30 minutes outside of town because it was back when the boys who are already quite young were like only four and six or something like that. So it was like a short like overnight camping thing for the family. So I'll have known about that and I know it's general location, but I've not been there before. So I'm going to go there instead and gently land the old ship. So I think as you get out, we get a couple of panels of... Olivia and Tony kind of standing on the street in front of Kopi. I think Tony is on the phone with Darren. Oh, man. And I think Olivia is trying to text you. Oh, man. And we see on the on the text that uh, she is informing you that someone has stolen your ship. They don't... They, you were wearing, like, the helmet. They didn't recognize yeah. you. So they're trying to reach out and let you know that something oh, has happened. Oh, man. And I, and I like the panel of Darren getting out of the ship and, like, heading into this little cabin up above Albuquerque Falls. And as she uh, goes in... I, I like a panel of just, like, a a framed picture of the Darren family, like, holding, like, fishing rods. Yeah. And there there is, like, a thin layer of dust and, like, a couch and, like, a phone and, like, you know, all sorts of cabin-y stuff. So let's move over to William. I feel like we're going to come back to a panel of William sitting in his uh, bedroom rather than in the office with... The uh, the lights are all still off in his room, and he's going to uh, be sitting there with his phone in his hand. And we just see him sitting there for a couple panels, just staring at this like blank screen, and then typing in "Hey guys" to the group chat, and then clicking send. Masks A New Generation is written for Magpie Games by Brendan Conway. It is made of impassioned speeches, desperate flights, and cat helmets. If you haven't bought it by now, please do. William Furness is played by Jordan. Darren is played by Nan. 
Find her on Instagram at Nanjitsu. Apex City is GM'd by Jeremy, who also writes the music and edits this podcast. Our album art was provided by Fitzsimmons. Find them on Instagram at Fitzonomy. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, or at the end of a very long table staring at you through a glass of red wine. Follow us on Twitter at ApexCityCast. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next issue.